Are you ready for common sense retirement planning advice? Tired of the noise coming out of mainstream financial media that doesn't always have your best interest at heart? Looking for someone who will answer the tough questions that applies to your money? Well, welcome to the Plan to Retire podcast. Each week, certified financial planner Jeff Bowers will make you a better investor, consumer, and help you make smart money choices as you journey through retirement. Head on over to plantoretire.com, that's the number two in Plan to Retire, where you can learn more, schedule a no-obligation introductory phone call, or subscribe to this free podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Now, here's your host, Jeff Bowers. Welcome to today's Plan to Retire podcast. Today is one of our first podcasts. We have something unique that I figure it's time for you to learn a little bit about me, Jeff Bowers, the host of your podcast. So, Alexis Bush, our relationship manager, Plan to Retire, is going to conduct an interview of me today, and you'll get to learn a little bit about myself and our firm. So with that, I'll turn it over to Alexis. So Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure, Alexis. You know, it's kind of funny. Back in the day, going back when I was young, probably before you were born, there was a show on TV called Family Ties with Michael Fox was the actor and he played a character, Alex Keaton, and I always got a kick out of that because I was that kid in late elementary and middle school. I was the kid that was always wanted to dress up like I was an adult and wanted to read the Wall Street Journal and be interested in money. Interested in money from a perspective of not a slave to money or not that money out of a sense of greed, more out of a sense of curiosity about how stocks went up and down, how people made money decisions. Uh, I can remember as being a young guy, actually, my parents probably still have the picture. I think I was still in elementary school. I took all the money I had at the time and I laid it out on a desk and took a picture of it because I wanted to be able to keep records of the money that I had. So, <laughs> And again, yeah, it wasn't from a standpoint of greed or something that I wanted to be beholden to money. It was more the interest of the whole process of money. So I was always interested in that. So I kind of knew as I went through high school and the college at Shepherd that I'd major in something like economics, which a double major in marketing and econ. And then when I graduated on a Saturday, I started working for a family's insurance agency on the following Monday because, hey, I wanted to get started. I wanted to know how this whole thing in business worked because I'd been intrigued with it all my life. And predominantly working through my 10, 15, 20 years in the insurance industry, then had got my CFP and started to focus more on financial planning because I really have a strong belief. I want to help people and I want to help people make money decisions. And I guess my motivation going back to that time when I was taking pictures of the money and reading the Wall Street Journal as a kid, I just thought that's what every kid did. I just thought that was normal. And as I got through high school and college, I realized that most people don't understand anything about money, how you make money and how you make smart decisions about managing your money and investing your money. So I realized there was an opportunity to help people. And that's really the basis of everything that I do is it's got to come from a servant's mentality, a belief that you want to help and serve people. And from the curiosity that was developed about this whole thing around money. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. How I got into this and how things got started. That's really awesome. You said that you enjoy helping people. What type of client do you typically service? What kind of person are you normally helping? What our firm plan to retire, we've really focused on more the behavioral aspects than the pure monetary. 
for me, when I look back and say what clients work really well with us and who has the best success, there's some common characteristics. Number one, they live within their means. So folks who live within their means work very well with us. Number two, people who are diligent savers, people who believe in paying themselves first through their either the company's 401k plan or through an IRA. The third characteristic is that they're willing to engage at a high level. Probably one of the most frustrating things for me as a financial planner is I want to help people and I want to get them to reach their goals. But many times it seems like people are not as engaged and often make a comment to prospective clients. I don't want to be more concerned about your financial future than you are. So when we call you to do an account review, please return the call, schedule the account review. Are you utilizing all of our technology so we can try to get the best result for you? So that's what I mean by a client willing to engage. And really the fourth factor is a monetary factor because we are a business. Right now we do have a minimum asset requirement of 250000 if someone wants us to manage their money. But we also have a monthly subscription service if someone doesn't meet that criteria because that criteria, the fourth one, is probably my least concern. The top three of living within your means, being a diligent saver, and willing to engage with us are the most important things for me. Then I know we can get to a path and come up with a plan and get you where you need to be. That's awesome. So with your monthly criteria, would that be something that you would suggest for someone who's interested but timid about financial planning? Maybe where that works really well is for someone who doesn't have current assets that wants us to invest. Maybe all of their money is tied up in real estate. Maybe all of their money is tied up in a company 401k plan. So there's nothing for us to manage for them, but yet they have financial decisions to make. So the monthly subscription model works really well for those folks. And we do that at a one-year minimum and it's paid monthly. So it gives them a chance to do a trial run with them for a year, get them on track, start taking the basic steps to get them towards their goals. And after that first year, then it's up for discussion whether they want to continue to renew it. So far, everyone we have on that monthly subscription has actually renewed it and continues to be long-term clients. So we're really pleased with that. It's just something we started just a couple of years ago. Good. I think that says a lot about you, that you keep those people and they enjoy your services. So as a fee-only advisement firm, can you tell us a little bit more about what exactly that means? Well, fee-only means that when you come talk to us and plan to retire... We are a registered investment advisory firm, which means we cannot make commissions. We're not selling a product that has a certain commission and all of the costs that you're going to incur are fully transparent. You're going to know how much you're going to pay us a year, whether it's 1% or a little bit below that, depending on the amount of the size of your account. You're going to know how much you're paying us and how much the fees are and the investments for the investment provider, what you're paying them. So we're fully transparent and fee only means Again, there's no sales commissions. So there's no pressure that often commission-based products can bring. There's no heavy sales tactics here. What made you decide to do the firm on your own rather than going and just working for someone else? Well, for a period of time, we actually did. When I had started and first got my securities license and obtained my certified financial planner designation, we actually were affiliated with a friend of mine who's still a very good friend today. We were affiliated as a broker underneath his independent broker-dealer arrangement. I'd stayed with him for about five, six years. Then I went out on my own to a firm 
hung out my own shingle with Bowers Advisory Group, which is still the legal name behind Plan to Retire as the doing business as name. Did that for a few years and then ultimately got to a point that I wanted to run my own show. If I wanted a seminar to be on a certain topic and to say a certain thing, I didn't want a broker dealer or someone in a cubicle in an office a thousand miles away telling me what I could and couldn't say and do what's for our clients. I want to do what's in our client's best interest. I don't want to have any conflict of what someone wants us to sell. And that doesn't mean that there aren't very good people who are brokers. That's not the case. Some of them are very good. It's just that wasn't the business model for me. I wanted to do my own marketing. I wanted to be more entrepreneurial. I had ideas on what specifically we wanted our technology to look like, what we wanted our client experience to look like. And first and foremost was the issue of transparency and always doing what's in the client's best interest. So that were my main motivations of starting the firm. So do you think that that's had a really large impact on how you engage with your clients and you being able to give them the best experience? Oh, most definitely. Where it's helped us is the ability to respond quickly to a condition in the marketplace. So say the stock market's doing something unusual. There's been a significant legislative change that's affected our 401k clients. I don't have to wait six weeks to get some marketing piece approved through a broker-dealer. I'm able to take that information, distribute that many times within a day or two instantly. As you know, that's a lot of the hard work that you do through our social media channels and through our email marketing channels. So it helps us communicate at a faster pace and be more relevant to our clients because of that. In a typical day, your interaction with clients, what does that look like? How often do you reach out to them? How often are you engaging with them, especially during the crisis right now, this COVID-19? When we do the initial planning from a client, and remember, everything has started with financial planning, the planning process first. There are no recommendations, no services that are implemented until we've done the planning. So when we finish that planning, and it's usually a couple of meetings to get that done, the client and I have a general sense of what action steps do they need to take. And many times in the first year or two of the relationship, it's when they have the most action steps. So some clients we may meet yearly, some clients may meet quarterly. So it really depends on the level of action steps that the client needs to take and what services we're implementing that'll help drive that train. So again, anywhere from quarterly to as much as an annual meeting. Outside of that, we have a 90-day no-contact policy, as you know, in the practice, and that's part of your job, where if we haven't heard from a client in 90 days, you're reaching out to them to touch base with them and find out if they need to sit down and talk. We're very active on social media. We send out a weekly email. You do a fantastic job with that, providing them up-to-date information. So we're doing everything we can to be very proactive. I often tell people I'd stack our communication up against any other firm. Last thing I want to hear is from a client, yeah, I have this planner, I have this advisor, and gee, I never hear from him. Because that's the number one complaint that new clients have when they come to me. And I make an oath to them that they're not going to experience that from us. Probably the reverse complaint they're going to have is they hear from me too often. And that's fine. (laughs) If they have that belief, that's great, because that's what I'm shooting for. Well, good. I think that's awesome. So with the social media and the programs that you use and integrate into your planning, 
Do you think that technology through the years has had a really big impact on your journey as an advisor? Most definitely. I can remember back in the day, going back 15 years ago, even pre-financial planning software or the software was very rudimentary. Clients would come in with literally the shoebox or the milk crate carton for <laughs> files. And I'd go through that stuff, spread out on my desk, spread out in a conference room. I would be organizing it to date first because they would just stick it in a file somewhere. They had no idea. So we'd organize everything and then we're putting it all on handwritten sheets, maybe using Excel files and hand entering it into the financial planning software. And that would be a series of, gosh, on a simple financial plan, that could take us two to three hours to enter their data on a good day. Now, with the advent of the financial planning software, we use eMoney, and eMoney has a tremendous amount of integration and integrates directly with their checking accounts, their 401k accounts, their credit card accounts, their mortgage accounts. And again, when those clients engage on that level and link their accounts to our software, it is an encrypted, secure network both ways. I have up-to-date information every night that's updated. So if something happens in their financial life, say someone's laid off or someone has inherited money, we can immediately have a phone call and I can jump into software and we can see where that money needs to be plugged into their financial plan. It's just awesome. I mean, it has cut down the entry level time from two to three hours to maybe a half hour to an hour initially. So that just makes us so much more effective and able to help clients out so much quicker so instead of spreading out initial action steps, taking three months, we may get to very, those same action steps now in three or four weeks, which is great. So it creates a lot of efficiency. Oh my, yeah. And from the client perspective, that's the most important thing. It gets them the results, a clear picture that's visual, and we get on that process quicker. So we get them down the journey faster. You keep mentioning the client's journey. So in your journey as the owner of this firm, what would be the perfect end for you? What is your end goal for this? When would you feel like you've accomplished everything that you want to accomplish? I would have to think about that. For me, it's not so much about the size. I do have some objectives in mind of what size I think I'd like to have the firm, although they have been scaled back the longer I've been in the firm because I'm beginning to realize and realize completely that it's not so much the number of clients or the total dollars. It's what percentage of our clients are being successful and have we done everything in our ability to engage them at a high level, get them integrated with the software, have them on a clear path towards their goals. So whether it's a hundred households or 500 households, that's the most important thing for me. And I'd say for me, I'm probably going to know when it's time to leave someday. I'll just probably wake up one day and say, I guess it's time. And obviously, we need to start working on a transition plan at some point. I'm not getting any younger. So I plan on being all around a while, but there also has to be an exit strategy. And hopefully that exit strategy is out over multiple year type scenario, not just I walk away one day. Because every client is like a family member to me. So it's going to be difficult for me just to kind of hand them off to somebody in an instance notice. There's got to be some sort of transition there. It's really awesome that you're so close with your clients that you say that, that they're like family to you. You have to really have that servant mentality. I've always said that it's not so important about the money that a particular client brings. It's 
is there a need that I can fill? I've always had the belief that if there's a need I can fill, the money will naturally follow. If you forget about the money, and I tell anyone that's graduating from college, in fact, I think I told your class this a few months ago when I went down and spoke, that I don't care if you're a teacher or a financial planner or a radiologist. I think if you're going into work every day and focusing on how much I'm going to make and the money, you're probably not going to be the best at your profession. You need to focus on your profession and the money will follow. I know whenever I was going through my hiring process here, you talked a lot about, you would say the Ritz-Carlton performance or... (laughs) Ritz-Carlton or Disney. Is that a concept you always had or was there some point in your life when you were like, that's what's most important is just giving people your all. You know, when my kids were young, we took a trip to Disney. Uh, my parents went with us and it was a beautiful experience because they were young. They were in elementary school and it was an experience for me. I had been there before, but predominantly as a kid, almost like as an adult, I encourage everyone to go back to Disney because you have to experience it through the lens of an adult as well to be overwhelmed at the way they train their staff and how responsive they are. So that kind of woke me up to thinking, that's what I want my clients to have, that experience that we're doing the best thing we can for them. We really want to wow them. And that Disney, that Ritz-Carlton experience, I think is just so important, no matter what business you're in today, to really have that belief to make the client experience better. Earlier, you mentioned everything you do being in the client's best interest. So with that comes fiduciary responsibility. Can you talk a little bit about what that means? That's a really important question because, again, it kind of goes to the core beliefs of who we are as a firm and who I am as a certified financial planner. It doesn't mean you have to be a fiduciary to give good advice and be an ethical person. I'm not saying that at all. There's some very ethical people who don't embrace the fiduciary model and give excellent advice. However, I look at it from the standpoint, if I were the consumer, I want to know if someone's helping me with my money. I mean, my money is a big deal. I go to work every day, eight, nine, 10 hours. Maybe I own a business and I've built that business over many, many years. It's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Someone's got to have a higher level of responsibility. And for that to me is they have to have my best interest at heart. So I believe very strongly in that as a fiduciary, as a registered investment advisor, that every transaction, we're obligated by law to have a fiduciary obligation. We have to always act in the client's best interest. And I embrace that model. I don't run from that model. Some in our industry actually do run from it, and that's their decision. I have no problem embracing the fiduciary model because I have nothing to hide, and I'm always trying to do what I can in the client's best interest. doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it means that if you follow our processes and follow our model and understand the fee structure and do the action steps, you'll see that the advice is based from a fiduciary standpoint of always wanting to be in your best interest. And I just think that's so pivotal today. So do all financial advisors have to follow or abide by a fiduciary responsibility? Unfortunately not. In our country, we have a lot of different models. And it doesn't mean that people have embraced the non-fiduciary model. If you're at a broker dealer or a large wirehouse, it doesn't mean you're, again, you're a bad person or you're giving bad advice, you're unethical. The client, the customer has to really understand what's the basis of the advice they're getting. And the Certified Financial Planner Board has an excellent resources. So if a client wants to know, I highly encourage them to go to the CFP Board's website. There's actually a document in there that if they want to interview financial planners, 
there's questions that they should ask a prospective planner. So I highly encourage them to go to that CFP board website and download that and have that handy. And you're going to find one of the questions is, how is the financial planner paid? How am I paid? And that planner should be very clear and transparent about how they're paid and what level of advice do they take responsibility for their level of advice that they're providing. Well, thank you, Jeff, so much for sharing everything with us today. I guess my last question for you would be, if someone wanted to get in touch, what would be the best way for them to find you? Well, Lexus, they can get in touch with us a couple ways. First and foremost, our website, plantoretire.com, and that's the number two. And on there on our homepage, and actually can click a button that goes directly my schedule if they want to schedule a no-obligation introductory phone call. They can do that right from their computer and accesses my schedule, and we can have that initial consultation over the phone and see if it warrants us sitting down together. So that's a great starting point. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into the Plan to Retire podcast. Head on over to plantoretire.com. That's the number two. So plan the number two, retire.com. To learn more, schedule a no-obligation introductory phone call, or to subscribe to this free podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll see you next time on the Plan to Retire podcast.